Good morning, afternoon, evening to all of you wonderful ladies, gentlemen, and everybody else listening. This is the Royal Deluxe Podcast, a podcast bringing you breaking news and analysis of the Kansas City Royals every Monday and Friday as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Lux, or at least that's what I keep telling people. I'm the guy who does this podcast, and I'm warm right now, so that's why you hear a fan in the background because i'm warm usually i'd record these things at like two in the morning like a like a normal and well-functioning human being but because i'm such a well-functioning human being i'm actually recording this at friday why did i say friday i meant to say five five p.m at uh yeah five p.m on sunday afternoon it's 87 degrees fahrenheit it's warm Okay, so I'm going to have my fan on, and if you don't like that, then you can do me a favor. Rate this review, rate rate this podcast, review it five stars, tell all of your friends about it, tell everybody in the world that Royal Deluxe is the best podcast of all time, that Michael Farina has the smartest opinions, he is the most correctest guy about the Royals ever. I'm currently getting into internet flame wars with people on the internet about things that I have said about the Kansas City Royals. Everyone wants to beat my ass. You can also beat my ass at Royal Deluxe Pod or the MF and KC, whichever one you choose. I have two online asses for you to beat. And also, a little bit of exciting news, I guess, is that I am going to be guesting on a fellow Fans First podcast. It's going to be Visiting Dugout, which is a spinoff of sorts of the Sox Populi podcast, the White Sox-affiliated podcast within the Fans First Sports Network. That would be going up either Thursday night or Friday morning. I know we're going to, it'll probably be Friday morning. I will shout this out on Friday's episode as well, but I figured I might as well just give you a little bit of head heads up because I'm a cool guy who has friends also stalling for time because frankly there is not a whole lot to talk about with the Royals today in fact I'm just going to kind of break my own format that I have built on this podcast I'm not doing a deluxe moment or anything I'm not doing a Tucker Bradley segment did, did Tucker Bradley play I don't even know if Tucker Bradley played this weekend uh, I should probably maybe check up on that uh it, well, he's not on on the Royals, and obviously that's that's an issue for me. Uh, whatever, that's about it. Um, yeah, so the Royals they played a three game series against the Brewers, and they lost. They lost all three games to be specific, which is quite disappointing. It's a shame. It's a bummer. You know, I I was really optimistic about this series going into it because I was saying, hey, the Brewers have been on a 6-12 and skid lately. Their pitching staff, you know, it's solid, but it's not amazing this season. They're actually pretty low with the strikeout numbers this season. And, hey, Royals hitters aren't striking out a lot of guys, so that could be an interesting matchup. I was actually pretty hyped about this. I'm like, this could be a really interesting and somewhat even matchup. Um, with this team and in a way I want to say it kind of was because a couple of these games were actually close I don't even feel like 
uh, this, I mean, this is super, super, super subjective, obviously, but I don't even feel like any game was like outright bad. There were certainly bad things about maybe every game. Uh, and, you know, we, we lost all three games, but you could say that the Royals were in each game uh, the entire way through, I suppose. It's just that I guess this is the difference between a team that is actually looking like they could go to the playoffs this season and a team that lost 97 games last season and is still full of really young players who have a lot to learn in this world, in this league, in this sport. Oh, wait, hang on. I got another response on Twitter. All right, I had a jump cut there. You might not have heard that, but I I just sent someone death threats and also mailed them an envelope uh, laced with napalm to their uh, address. I actually tracked their IP and figured out where they live. Anyway, what were we talking about? Um, Royals being bad, I guess. I mean, that's nothing new, I suppose. I think I was talking about how this 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 series, it didn't, it, these three games didn't feel completely and utterly hopeless. Um, so the first one was against Corbin Burns, and the Royals themselves had a had a bullpen game. Fantastic. Awesome. They had Josh Taylor as the opener. He gave up an unearned run. It's whatever. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about that in general. And then Max Castillo piggybacked off of him, going four and a third innings, pit throwing 80 pitches. So he just kind of did his job. He was just kind of a fill-in guy. Um, and it worked. He only gave up two earned runs. Two runs overall, so that's, yeah, I, I, I suppose that's okay. That's maybe the best-case scenario with these guys. And then uh, Jose Quas came in, pitched a couple of outs, did his job. Josh Stalmont did not have a good outing, unfortunately. Gave up a walk and three hits, two earned runs overall. And then Amir Garrett pitched a scoreless eighth. That's about it. Uh, just just an all right game from uh, the bullpen overall. And Corbin Burns was interesting, and I mentioned how uh, I mentioned on Friday's episode how he he's not he's not striking out a lot of guys, which is what he did, which is what he has done over the past two seasons, including especially his his Cy Young season in 2021. Yeah, for some reason his his strikeout numbers are like way down, and also his walks are up, and that somewhat showed. With this, uh, with this game, he pitched six innings, struck out seven, and walked four. And man, the entire game, he just did not look comfortable. He looked like he was, yeah, like he was missing the zone by a mile. Like he was throwing lots of uncompetitive pitches. And I think the Royals did a pretty good job on staying on top of them, but they just couldn't really break through him. So uh, overall, they didn't really do anything. Uh, and the only run that was scored by the Royals in this game was in the seventh against Yoel Piamps of all guys. Remember Yoel Piamps? He's on the Brewers now, and he's having a good season. Does that suggest anything about the Royals? I have no idea. I choose to sleep better at night, not stressing myself out about such questions. Anyway, Freddie Fermin hit a solo home run. Pretty cool. So the Royals lost this game by a score of 1-5, to five, and that was about it. It was one of the games of all time. That's all I can really say. And then on Saturday, they only lost by a score of 3-4. to four. So it was a little bit better overall. Um, another game where I'm not entirely sure how much you can blame on anybody in particular. Road Grenke showed up for this one. And by that, I mean, like, he was actually solid. Like, he actually showed up to this game. Grenke on the road has had, like, a 9 ERA going into this series. 
that, that then he only went he, he went five innings and gave up two earned runs. He did a good job. He even struck out five guys. He even struck out two particular guys he has never struck out before, which means he is now the fifth pitcher in MLB history to strike out 1,000 unique batters. Even I have been struck out by Zach Greinke. It is a blessing to be strucken out by the great Zach Greinke because he is a cool dude, and he had a very awkward Grenke-like interview where he seemed like he did not care whatsoever about what he was being asked and would rather not talk about it. He seemed like he really wanted to be left alone, and I really admire that. Zach Grenke, he is just one of us, and he is the coolest baseball player ever. I say this with no sarcasm whatsoever. With a deep amount of respect, I truly appreciate Zach Greinke. And I'm happy that he got that accomplishment. Even if he doesn't care all that much, you know what? I think it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so that was about it. And, uh, yeah, the game actually went... It, 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 it was almost looking like it could go into extra innings. But, unfortunately, Royals got walked off in the ninth by I think a sack fly so it wasn't even an exciting walk off it was one of, it was a really boring walk off and uh, something else that something else that was pretty interesting that happened in this series is Salvi sat out the game on Friday night because he had blurry vision which the Royals said that they were getting right on top of okay that's fine but man that concerns me because this is like the second time that Salvi has had some kind of weird vision problems. There was that stretch in 2020 where he missed a couple of weeks because fluid had built up in his eye and the Royals just said there was like nothing they could do about it. They're just like, yeah, uh, it, it'll it'll probably go away eventually. It's like, uh, huh? Or, uh, is he okay? What? And, I mean, he, he, sure, he, it did go away, and he was fine after that, but now it's like, okay, suddenly he has a day where his his vision is blurry? That seems like a bit of a problem. I don't know. Weird. And then Salvi came back on Saturday and hit a home run. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I don't have the numbers on this, but I feel like Salvi, when he comes off of an injury, like when he starts playing right after being injured, and maybe even when he is injured in general, his numbers are just, like, invincible. Like, he has absolutely insane, ridiculous numbers. He's probably hitting, like, 600 with, like, a, a 2,000 slugging. I don't know if that's possible. Uh, but it's... it's I, I don't know, dude. I, I just feel like whenever we all get worried about Salvi, like, something happens to him, and it's like, oh, no, Salvi, he might be missing time. He might have to go on the injured list. He misses, like, one or two days. He misses one or two games and then comes back and hits five home runs the next day. It's, it, it's just like he turns into the best player ever when he gets hurt. <laughs> I don't... Like, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing, but, I mean... I enjoy watching Salvador Perez hit home runs. I think it's pretty fun. So good for him. So yeah, Salvi, he had a good game. He had a two-hit game. Nick Prado stays hot with a two-hit game. Bobby Witt Jr. also had a two-hit game. Pretty cool. And maybe a funny sort of uh, statistic or whatever is that the Royals struck out nine times overall in the game. However, no hitter struck out more than once. I just, 
I think that's kind of interesting. Only one walk, though, so... Yeah. Unfortunately, couldn't hold on to a lead early on in the game. Because um, for some reason, Christian Yelich decided that he's going to be 2018 and 2019 Christian Yelich in this game. And really the entire series. I, I don't know why the Christian Yelich had like the best series ever this weekend. Okay, that's cool. I mean, I have nothing against him. I, I, I like the Brewers overall. I think Christian Yelich is a cool guy. So I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I totally didn't destroy stuff in my room out of out of blind rage for the at the Royals being a bad baseball team or anything. I'm 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 just staying cool, you know. I that's just what we do on the Royal Deluxe podcast. I'm just staying cool. That's why I got my fan on cuz I got I got to stay cool. Oh, I thought I'd pause for a jump cut. Whoops, sorry. You just heard some dead air. Um, I'm a bad podcaster. This is why I need someone else here to to help me say words. But anyway, yeah, I couldn't couldn't get the couldn't seal the win. Um, Carlos Hernandez was the pitcher in the ninth inning. He gave up two hits and then a sacrifice fly. So, yeah, I kind of I'm kind of not entirely sure what what happened with uh uh Scott Barlow. Like, why wasn't he pitching? Scott Barlow hadn't pitched, like, at all in the past week, so I don't know. Seems a little bit weird. Maybe maybe Q was just thinking, hey, this game's going to go into extras, um, so hopefully Royal score at the, in the top of the 10th, and then we send in Scott Barlow afterwards, because Scott Barlow can hold runners better than pretty much anyone else in this in this uh, on this roster, except for maybe Amir Garrett, but they already used Amir Garrett in the game. I guess that would make sense, but I would kind of argue you should just play the game in front of you and don't worry about whether or not you get into extra innings. Why don't you like actually get into extras before deciding on a strategy for extra innings? Uh, I don't know. Not a big deal, I suppose. It's just a just just a little bit unfortunate that the Royals couldn't get this one. And then on si- on Sunday Sunday was an interesting game and like I said, it I don't want to say that it wasn't a bad game or mm, I guess I don't I don't want to say it was a bad game either. There were there were bad things that happened. Or maybe you could say this was a ga- a bad game where good things happened because the offense showed up for this one. The the Royals they lost, but they lost by a score of 6 to 9. Pretty nice. That because I I I enjoy it when teams score runs. I I've, I've always said that I would rather see the Royals lose like 12 to 6. Rather than lo- them lose six to nothing, because at least we have something going for us. At least we can watch something. Although I do have to admit, some of this, some of that offense, you d- you wonder how much of it really like matters, how much it means anything. I mean, I don't know. It I guess it it matters in the fact that it, it's it's going to show up in the stat sheet. You know, and no one's going to nitpick that hard and say like, oh, well, this guy, sure, this guy hit a home run, but. Oh, but you take away the the uncompetitive stuff. You like like no one's gonna pull apart all of the competitive and uncompetitive at bats and sort through them or something. Uh, actually, I don't know. I don't. Maybe at some point someone will because the baseball community they have crazy people who just love numbers a lot. They they fetishize numbers like that. So there probably is something crazy enough to do that. But that person is not me, and I don't know anybody in the Royals community who, who's who's doing that. So there's probably not a lot of people. So, so I doubt we're going to be able to figure out what Hunter Dozier's uh, 
slugging percentage is in games that actually matter because he had a home run in the ninth when we were losing nine to four or something nine to five and it's like well that seems like a tr- that seems like a tradition I, I i said all this because it feels like a tradition for the royals to lose by five plus runs or the royals to be to be losing by five plus runs and then hunter dozier hits a home run with nobody on base it's just like all right, good for you, dude. <laughs> like, it, it really just feels like a practical joke. It's like, hey, look at me. I did something. It's like, dude, we stopped caring already. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. But, again, it, it, it matters. It's still showing up on his on on his uh, stat line. So, now his batting average is up to 197. His slugging percentage is 329. He might have a slug, a higher slugging percentage than Nicky Lopez at this point. He probably does. What is Nicky Lopez slugging this season? Probably not a lot. Probably like 200 because he just walks a lot for some reason. It's 291. Yeah. Nicky Lopez is a hit, is a slugging of 291. What was it in 2021 when we had its good season? 378. Well, that 378 is better than Hunter Dozier right now, so good job, Nicky Lopez. So, so yeah, like I said, Hunter Dozier, he's he's slowly climbing up to Nicky Lopez territory of slugging prowess. And, man, wouldn't that be interesting if he could get up that high? What, what, what a steady climb that must be. He'd probably be hitting, like, 240. You know, Hunter Dozier hitting 240 probably wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. As much as I, as, as, as weird as that seems to say, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't overthink this. Uh, but yeah, Hunter Dozier hit a total garbage time home run. Uh, great. Salvi had another two-hit game, including a home run. Salvi did another trademark of his that's just hilarious, where he he golfed a pitch that most hitters are trained to never swing at ever because it's you're probably just going to miss that pitch and it's a ball. But Salvi does not care. He does he he knows it's a ball. He also knows he can just make contact with it and put it over the fence somehow. I don't know how he does it. But he does, <laughs> and that's what he did. And so with another two-hit game, Salvi is hitting 301. Salvi has a batting average above 300. Something I've been thinking about is that I, I wonder how, like, I'm kind of wondering what kind of season is Salvador Perez going to have? Because there are a lot of different things that people assume about Salvi as a player and as a hitter. And I've realized that over the last few years, he's defied like all expectations. Like he used to be someone who was known to be a great player in the first half. Like he would get off to a hot start. He would have all the, all the good stats. He'd have a high batting average. He hit a few home runs and Oh, he's a great defensive catcher. So we'd always be a shoe in for the all-star game. But then in 2018, he started hitting, and he was awful. He was hitting like 200 towards the towards the All-Star break. And it's funny because he ended up being the starting catcher of that All-Star game. Like, he got in just because all, t- all teams had to have one player, and so Salvi was just 
the Royals representative for the All-Star game. And then whoever was supposed to start the game got injured. So Salvi just became the starter by process of elimination. And man, people were mad because his stats were so bad. They're just like, there's no way this guy is the freaking a starter in the All-Star game. But it happened. And then, I mean, he got better. He he hit a lot better in the second half. He, got, he started hitting like regular Salvi did. But that kind of dispelled the notion of how Salvi is a great player in the first half and then slows down the second half. He reversed that in 2018. And then um, 2020, I mean, you can just kind of say whatever. It was a 60-game series. It was a 60-game season. Not much to say there. But then 2021, two things were totally changed. Number one... He changed the fact that he's a, a, a hot player in the first half and then slows down in the second half. I think he actually was hitting better in the second half of 2021 than the first half. Because I think it was in August when he started going going on some, like, crazy, insane power shirt. Yeah, yeah, like, I don't think Salvi was on, like, the home run chase for most of the season. And then he hit, like, 15 home runs in the month of August or something, something just completely ridiculous. And then, so, and then everyone was like, oh, okay, sure, Salvi is just like the best hitter ever now all of a sudden. So, yeah, he had a great second half. But also, he played almost every game. He played 161 games. So there goes that theory of how he's always injured or really often injured and only playing like 130 games per season. There goes that. But then 2022... He does kind of go back to that. He gets injured a lot. And once again, he had a slow first half, but then a really, really good second half. Like the second half, Salvi was starting to hit like 2021 Salvi again. And now this season, Salvi is like, it's almost like he's back to 2021 Salvi again. So far, he doesn't seem to be injured. Like he's had some... Some 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 dings, I guess, if you want to call them that. Like, uh, I don't know. He's had some bruises. He's had some bumps. You know, he had like a like a finger contusion. He had the blurry vision. But then he sits out for a couple of games, and then boom, just goes right back at it. Hits a home run the day that the moment he comes back. And now he's hitting three oh one, and his walk rate. I think his walk rate is at a is at a career high for whatever this is worth. It's at four point six percent now. For a moment, it was at five percent. It was at all. It was at a whole five point zero percent, which for Salvi is astonishing. But now it's at four point six percent, and that is his career high. And his strikeout, he's only striking out eighteen point four percent of the time, which is actually the lowest since twenty fifteen. I don't know if this is just a matter of him just – I don't even know if he's getting lucky with the batted ball or whatever. Like, what's his BABIP? 314. No, he's not getting, like, super crazy lucky with the BABIP or anything. I mean, if he's making contact, then it doesn't matter. If he's making contact, then he's avoiding strikeouts anyway. I don't know, dude. It's like Salvi, he's kind of at his best, but also in ways that we've never really seen before. He's not striking out a crazy amount. He's walking a slight amount more than he normally does. He's also started to learn how to frame pitches, which is another thing that everyone hated him for. And he's, I mean, I wouldn't say he's turned into a good pitch framer, but he's not the worst. 
Oh, and also, let's forget that Salvi is 33 now. That's another thing that people are, are always speculating. Like, oh, oh, Salvi's getting older, so he's going to really fall off at some point. Oh, 20, 2022, you know, he turned 32, and no, he's not hitting as well anymore. Looks like that 48 home run season, you know, was like a massive aberration. And for what it's worth, he's definitely not on pace for 48 home runs this season. But then again, at the same time, you know, he, he got super crazy hot in August of 2021, so you never really know. Uh, I don't know. I, I just think it's going to be really interesting to see what Salvi's season is going to look like at the end of the day. What his what his stat line is going to be at the end. How many games is he going to play? What is he going to do? I'm not sure. It's 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 very very interesting though, and 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 honestly, really exciting, especially because there isn't a whole lot else to be excited about. MJ Melendez had a two-hit game as well, and a walk, so pretty cool right there. And Bobby Witt Jr. also had a two-hit game, and he had a home run of his own. He he followed up Hunter Dozier's solo home run in garbage time with another solo home run in garbage time. So that's cool. Good for him. It's hard, and I want to be excited about Bobby Witt Jr., but at the same time, this is like the, the third or fourth or... 30th game I've watched this season where I've thought, man, Bobby Wood Jr. is having a terrible day at the plate, and then I see he has a, a two-hit game or something. Like, I, I'm not, I'm really not sure what what to think about Bobby at this point. I'm not sure if I should be concerned necessarily, because you know, you want to say, okay, well, he's 23, he has a lot of time to figure it out, but at the same time, some of the skills he's lacking are, like, they're core skills, but they're also really difficult to teach, and for some guys, it's really just a natural thing. Like, he still seems to struggle with the pitch selection. So, you know, he still swings at some stuff that he just has no right to swing at whatsoever and just looks foolish on them on some stuff. And so, yeah, like, this game in particular, his first at-bat was just terrible. I mean, he worked up, he worked a full count, I guess, technically because there was a pitch there was a pitch violation a clock violation on the pitcher and then two balls that were nowhere near the zone so of course he wasn't going to swing at those at the very least but then he swung at two pitches outside the zone and fouled off another that was also outside the zone this guy did this guy did not throw a single pitch inside the zone and Bobby Wood Jr. struck out swinging and it's like dude come on <laughs> I, I I don't know, dude. Like I'm not I'm not even really sure what to say about that. I don't I, I don't want to say, oh man, he's never gonna figure it out. He's never gonna learn pitch selection. But at the same time, pitch selection is something that's kind of difficult to learn. And you think if he's not learning it now, then when is he going to do that? I do want to believe that he is improving, and there are signs that he you know is improving for what it's worth. Like the the walk rate is up oh so slightly. And the strikeout rate is down oh so slightly. He's making better and harder contact with the baseball. So even if the average and even if the stats themselves don't necessarily reflect it, it, it I'm not too worried about. Like I'm not worried about the batting average. I'm that's not an issue for me. I'm not worried about slugging percentage or whatever like that. I'm. It's more just you know how often he's swinging and missing and what he's swinging and missing at. That's the issue for me. And I guess the issue for everybody else as well. 
But anyway, yeah, like technically his strikeout rate da- it, his strikeout rate is down compared to last year and his walk rate is up compared to last year. But it's also so small that you think is that really enough to, you know, uh, to uh, congratulate him on? Should we like be happy about this? Should we celebrate this? Is this a sign that, you know, I mean, like, 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 it's not enough, basically. That's the thing. It's not enough of an improvement to be convincing. But anyway, ranting about a couple players aside, this game it mostly came down to one particular thing, or rather, one particular inning that was a complete and utter disaster. You remember how Brady Singer entered the third inning of Hell a, a week or two ago? Well, the third inning of Hell came back for Jordan Lyles. Jordan Lyles has gone from losing his first eight starts to losing his first nine starts. He's now 0 for 7. And this time, man, this time he was bad. 2.1 innings, seven earned runs. Ouch. Um, he, he he just looked awful. Just everything about him just looked awful. I, I even heard his velocity was down. Um, which, you know, there is some speculation that maybe it's because he was overworked from the last time around because he threw 116 pitches in his nine, in his, in his complete game loss, which I suppose is a plausible theory. And then it makes me wonder like, okay, well then why the hell, like if the Royals, the Royals should have known that he can't throw 120 pitches or something like that. And why they let him do that? It wasn't that important for him to do that. I mean, I guess it, it's cool that he got a nine-inning loss. Good for him. Congratulations. I, I, I don't know. Um, hopefully, he'll bounce back and, you know, get back to doing what he's supposed to, which is throw a lot of uncompetitive innings. But not as in, like, uncompetitive as in you're, you you just gave up five inning you gave up five runs already so we're just kind of out of the game i mean like you throw throw games against teams that are bad that's what i'm trying to say so i don't know once again jordan lyles pitching against a good team equals bad things happening <laughs> maybe uh we'll recover from this and uh, the thing that I was uh, joking about earlier with me saying that I'm getting my ass beat online and I'm getting to internet flame wars is I posted something that I've already talked about on this podcast at least once. Definitely last time around I talked about this. But every fifth day we have to have the same argument. That we're, we're, we, I mean, we is subjective. I mean the Royals community in general. They all they all have to, everyone has to shake their fists at JJ Piccolo and say, Why'd you sign Jordan Lyles for two years, seventeen million dollars? And I always have to just I, I always like see these posts and I'm just like, What was he supposed to do? Like really, what was JJ Piccolo supposed to do? Like people I feel like people get mad about the Jordan Lyles signing as if there was somehow a better option available. And I know it's ridiculous to think that the Royals could not have done better than Jordan Lyles, but that is what I'm telling you, pretty much. This is the best the Royals could do. Not that, of course, you know, there weren't better starting pitchers available in free agency, but none of them were going to sign with the Royals, because why would they? If you're a competent pitcher 
why would you go sign with a team that lost 97 games last season um, and has no track record of developing or handling its pitchers well whatsoever, and also it had a bottom 10 offense. So even if you do pitch well, you're not going to get any run support. You're going to look. You're going to. You're going to lose games. You're going to be a big loser guy in the league, and no one's going to like you. Because literally, no one's going to watch the games. No one's watching this. This team was like bottom five in attendance at home. No one. No one likes the Royals, dude. Why would so? Why would anyone sign to play for the Royals? And okay, maybe two years, seventeen million is a little bit zealous, but I think that that like it's the second year that does concern me. It does bother me slightly a little bit. But you know what? That second year was probably the re- the only reason this deal got made. I'm sure if he 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 wouldn't accept a one year deal. And you know what? The Royals literally ne- literally needed someone, anyone to pitch for this team. Because they can't just be throwing eight relievers into every game because your starters are only going four or five innings. Zach Greinke, you can only count on him going five innings. Brady Singer, that's like the, the one and only, you know, actually young, bona fide starter that this, ro- that this rotation had at that point. You had a lot of question marks beyond that. Chris Bubich, Daniel Lynch, can you fix Jackson Kowar, Jonathan Heasley, etc., etc.? And then, of course, when you're building a pitching staff, you're, you're dealing with a lot of injuries, which you can't predict, but you have to expect them at some point or another. You have to have backups on top on top of backups because pitchers just get injured all the time. And sure enough, we opened the year with, well, we didn't open the year with Chris Bubich injured. We'd opened the year with Daniel Lynch injured, so our backup was Chris Bubich. And then Chris Bubich got injured. And honestly, in situations like this, Angel Zerpa would be our backup. Angel Zerpa is also injured. And then it's like, who do we even have beyond that? Again, Jonathan Heasley? Jonathan Heasley has an ADRA in Omaha. Like, I feel like being mad at Jordan Lyles, it, it kind of like ignores the overall problem that the organization has. Like, Jordan Lyles himself is not necessarily the problem. The, the problem is that we have to rely on Jordan Lyles. That's the thing. I am not trying to make a case for like why Jordan Lyles is good or anything, and I don't think I've ever really done that. I just believe he fulfills a very basic purpose, which is he is a guy through who throws innings. Literally, that is his job. He's a guy who actually has quantity. Like he's, I don't know, I don't know if you can say he's necessarily a workhorse pitcher, but you know, he's a, he's a guy who was thrown 180 innings for the past two seasons. There is no one else in the Royals system that has done that. The Royals have not had a single pitcher throw 180 innings in five years, four years. Sorry, no wait. No, five, six years. 2017 was the last time a Royals pitcher threw 180 innings. Like, sure, if you want to have bad pitchers in the rotation, then okay, I guess, you know, Jonathan Heasley, Max Castillo, you know, these guys who are struggling in AAA Omaha. You know, like, I guess in a way those could also be get the job done, but they also don't throw as many innings. And they're probably not even as good. Like, like again, the issue is not that Jordan Lyles is bad. I mean, it is. It's a problem. It's the fact that we don't really have anyone that is actually directly and, like, objectively better than Jordan Lyles. That's the thing. I think that's, that's something I should have posted earlier. Like, th- that's the issue. 
Like, yeah, in a perfect world, we would have a rotation of Brady Singer and Chris Bubich and Daniel Lynch and uh, Jackson Kowar and Jonathan Heasley. And even if those guys, even if, you know, we had a couple of injuries there, uh, Brad Keller, I, f- I totally forgot that Brad Keller existed. Whoops. Uh, you, you know, but, uh, you know, he's another guy. Max Castillo. You know, in a perfect world, these would all be viable starters. But unfortunately, because of years on top of years of bad decisions, that is not the world we live in. That That's... That's the thing. And I literally just posted this on Twitter. Like, this is this is the real issue. The fact that I cannot confidently say that the Royals have more than four pitchers that are more qualified to be in a starting rotation than Jordan Lyles. That is pretty sad. And look, I again, I'm not even necessarily defending Jordan Lyles because he he sucks. Jordan Lyles sucks. Why would I be defending him? What do I have to, to defend him on? How many innings he throws? Yeah, I, I get, again, I get it. He sucks. Here, here's another thing, though. For, for starters, obviously, the Royals did not think that he was going to have a 7 ERA in May. Like, obviously, that is not what they paid $17 million for. They Instead, they paid $17 million for a guy who has thrown 359 innings in the last two years with a high four ERA. That is what they paid for, and that's what they expected. They missed. That's, that, that's it, I guess. You know, is it really the Royals' fault that... He he's underperforming, even though expectations for him were so low. I don't know. Maybe you can blame them for that in some way. I, I, I have no idea. Personally, I won't. I'm not going to blame them for, you know, taking someone who seemed like a fairly low risk, albeit also very low reward kind of guy and just not even getting that. But I just I still have to reiterate. I feel like the Royals were just stuck with this. This was this is quite literally the best they could do because whatever better starting pitcher was available on the market, aside from Zach Greinke, that you think the Royals could have acquired, they they most likely could not have because all of those better pitchers went to good teams, teams that are much better than the Royals. I think the best argument you can make for pitchers that the Royals could have theoretically acquired that are again, maybe in a way, theoretically better than Jordan Lyles. Okay, let's just be fair and say they are better than Jordan Lyles. They have higher upside than Jordan Lyles. That's a good way of putting it, I guess. They're probably just, you know, reclamation projects. Guys who have been injured, like Wade Miley, who's on the Brewers, and he's having a good season with the Brewers. And, you know, so, okay, maybe the Royals could have acquired him, and sure, he'd be an upgrade over Jordan Lyles. But also, again, thing is, he's been injured. He, he, like, barely pitched at all last season. The Royals didn't acquire Jordan Lyles for any kind of upside. They, th- they, they acquired Jordan Lyles for the quantity. They, threw, they, they acquired him because they need someone to pitch 180 innings. It's a specific requirement because they don't have anyone else in this rotation they can rely on to, to provide those innings. So that's that's really how I feel about Jordan Lyles. He was brought here to fulfill a specific purpose. Currently, he is not doing that, which is unfortunate. I don't know if that's necessarily the Royals' fault. What is the Royals' fault is that they have not developed a competent starting pitcher in over seven years. 
the fact that they have a rotation that has to have Jordan Lyles in it because there are not more than four pitchers in this organization that are more qualified to be on a major league starting rotation than Jordan Lyles. That is the problem. Jordan Lyles is just a symptom of the problem, essentially. But for what it's worth, I also have some optimism that the situation we have with not only developing starting pitching, but also acquiring it in free agency can get better. I think it can because the offense is doing well this season. And I said this on Friday. If we have a good offense, we'll at least have some case for bringing in starting pitchers, like actual competent starting pitchers in the next winter. Hopefully, hopefully the Royals might still have to overpay someone to really convince them, but at the very least, they can go up to a free agent starting pitcher next season and say, hey, we have a we have a top 10 lineup in baseball. If you play for the Royals, you're going to get run support, and you're also going to be in a very pitcher-friendly environment. You like pitcher wins? You think pitcher wins are cool? We'll give you pitcher wins because we'll give you runs and you won't be giving up a lot of runs. Fantastic. A match made in heaven. Why isn't everyone else thinking about this? It's so easy. That's me optimistically thinking about it anyway. I don't know. Maybe the Royals will still not be able to acquire any good pitching free agents next season. Uh, I don't know. Or I don't know. Maybe maybe they can get a flyer on like a failed starter and then rework him like they did with a Roldis Chapman. That would be pretty cool. I don't know. So that, that it, uh, it's it's a mess. It's a really messy situation, and I mean, this is just the the season we're having. You know, this is this is cleaning up the mess that the past regime left behind. Again, Jordan Lyles is not the issue. He is a symptom of the issue. Nothing that we. I really don't think that this there's anything we could really do about that. We just kind of have to wait for this to clear up. I do think that this. Regime that the, the people that are in charge now, they're a lot better. So I do think things are going to get better. It just might be a really sucky season watching Jordan Lyles throw sucky pitches and just stay. We're, we're, we're going to stay in the suck zone for a little bit longer. And that sucks. But oh, well, it is what it is. We this is just how things are right now. I'm not happy about it, and I'm not saying you have to be happy about it either. Like you're 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 well within your right to be upset. You're you're very much valid for feeling upset, and that's fine. But I, I'm just saying, don't be there. Like you have to just. I'm just trying to explain some things. I'm just trying to make sense of these things. I suppose, because I don't think just screaming like, "Oh, this guy sucks. Get rid of him." necessarily does anything because like if we get rid of Jordan Lyles who do we pitch who pitches there there is no answer for this weirdly enough no one has an answer for this anyway rant over about Jordan Lyles this is going to be this is going to be a thing isn't it Jordan Lyles is the hunter dozier of the Kansas City Royals in uh 2023 crazy uh remember hunter dozier he's still around Wish he wasn't. That was that was a mean comment to say, but whatever. All right, let's let's just uh let's look let's let's look to the future. We don't have to talk about Jordan Lyles next time because 
Um, he's not going to be pitching in this next series. The Royals are going to are going to go on a three-game road trip, or they're already on a road trip. They're going to start a three-game series against the San Diego Padres. The San Diego Padres are a very, very interesting team. They were a team that I they I picked them to be the division winners in the West, the National League West, which I kind of thought would be a hot take, but I saw a lot of other people also picking them to win. Maybe they're just like me for real, and they're like super cool and smart. But uh, we actually look like complete idiots right now because they're currently 19 and 22, which isn't even second in the division. It's third because the Diamondbacks are good this season. Man, the, the Padres are so weird that they're getting passed by the, the Diamondbacks. That's unfortunate. That has to be embarrassing to watch the Diamondbacks catch up to them like this. And uh, sure enough, they're kind of playing like a, a team that is 19 and 22. They are, they are very much mid. There is not a whole lot that they seem to be doing well. Their team ERA is 4.02. That is 14th overall in baseball. And they have a weighted runs created plus of 97, which is 18th in baseball. That is just slightly below average. They are hitting pretty poorly, actually, but just by looking at the general numbers, 228 average. That is 27th in baseball overall. They're on bases a lot more respectable. It's 314, which is 20th in baseball. They have a walk rate of 10.5%, which is tied for second, tied with Baltimore. I actually did not know Baltimore was walking that much, but I wonder how much of that is due to Juan Soto. <laughs> that definitely inflates the number a little bit. And they're slugging at, a, at this, they're slugging 390, which is 19th in baseball. The Royals have a better slugging percentage than the than the Padres right now. Isn't that crazy? Although granted the, these stats are based on a uh, Sunday, not taking into account whatever happened on Sunday. Although they actually got shut out by the Dodgers, so <laughs> I'm sure these numbers are not going to improve a whole lot. <laughs> Damn. Uh, yeah, I hear, like, runners in scoring position is a huge problem for them. Like, they just cannot get those guys over. I don't know. It's weird. Like, it's weird that this team would be having such issues in the first place because they're kind of like the Mets of baseball where they just kind of, where they just add players constantly. And, yes, I said the Mets in baseball to be ridiculous. <laughs> um, they just continuously add talent to this roster. They had a massive farm system. They traded it all away for everything they could get. You, you Darvish, Blake Snell, Joe Musgrove, uh... Nelson Cruz, was he a guy that they traded for, or was he a was he a free agent? I actually have no idea. Whatever. Um, Xander Bogards, Juan Soto, guys they've had like in in years past. They've just had so many acquisitions over the past few years, and they just have this incredible. They have they have your fantasy lineup in this. That's what they did. They played fantasy baseball in real life, and. For some reason, they're still not hitting. They're still not clicking. What is the issue with these guys? Man, you know what? You know what the issue is? The issue is that they got rid of Eric Hosmer. Eric Hosmer was the was the key to all of this. He tied it all together, man. And they, you know, the guys on that roster, they kept saying, oh, Hosmer's really important to this team. We really like having Hosmer around. And everyone around baseball was like, oh, Hosmer's such a bum. He's like the worst player ever. But they were like, no, no, Hosmer's really important to us. If he's not if he's not around, we're going to be real sad. And then they got rid of Hosmer. And they're just like, you got rid of Hosmer. You shouldn't have done that. And now the Padres are forever doomed. So let's uh, show them 
the power of a team that doesn't abandon its friends. But what the the, the Kansas City Royals? That's our superpower. <laughs> like a bunch of shonen anime characters or something. I don't know where I'm going with this. This is ridiculous. Anyway, uh, probable pitchers. The Royals are going to send out Brad Keller on Monday. Brad Keller, what are we going to get with this guy? I have no idea. I know he's going to walk like 20 batters, but is that going to turn into like a 10-run outing or a 1-run outing? I have no idea. Could go either way, but so far he has a 4.31 ERA, 39.2 innings pitched. He is effectively the Royals' ace. Meanwhile, the Padres are going to send out Michael Waka. Waka, Waka. He's a he's an interesting guy, a free agent from last season. Uh, got a pretty small deal overall. Um, so far, though, not working out incredibly well. Thirty-seven point one innings pitched, four point eight two. ERA so he's definitely going to look at this roster he's going to look at he's going to think oh man the Royals they're a bad team right I'm going to pitch really well against them and he's probably not going to realize that the Royals actually have a good lineup I don't know I like to I like to hope that we have an advantage sometimes that uh that were the that were the underdogs who are totally going to win and stuff I don't know anyway that's that's Monday's matchup Tuesday the Royals are going to send out Brady Singer. Now, Brady Singer has been going through a lot. It has been quite a season for him. He'll uh, have, like, three bad outings and then one really good outing. So his last outing was really good. This means this outing is going to be freaking terrible. So far, 7.71 ERA and 39.2 innings pitched. Ooh, that's just slightly better than Jackson Kowar. Meanwhile, the Padres are going to send out Seth Lugo. A guy who I know exists. That was a joke. I have no idea who this guy is. He, he's actually he's actually been a reliever most of his career. Last season he was with the Mets. He's actually been with the Mets his entire career. Last two seasons has not made a single start. Appeared in 62 games in 2022, 46 games in 2021, and yeah, zero starts. Um, but for whatever reason. The Padres have decided he is a starter now. He's made seven starts out of seven games. 39.2 innings pitched, 3.18 ERA. Do, do they know something that the rest of the world doesn't know? I'm not sure. That is just a that, that is a very unusual career arc. You know, you always hear about uh, about guys who start their careers as starters and then get turned into relievers. You don't hear about a lot of guys who start as relievers and then turn into starters. Like I I don't know how that even worked. That is just really odd. Or even guys who you know, start as starters and then become relievers for a couple of years and then go back to being starters. That 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 in and of itself is unusual. Anyway, Wednesday, game three, the Padres are gonna send out you Darvish. You crank that soldier boy. You anyone anyone else remember the two thousands? You Darvish, fantastic pitcher. Honestly, maybe one of my favorite pitchers. In baseball, he's just a cool dude. 42.2 innings pitched, 3.16 ERA. He's pretty good. Uh, last year, he was uh, he got some down ballot Cy Young votes. He finished eighth overall, 194.2 innings pitched, 3.1 ERA. The Padres even extended him for six years, which goes all the way to his age 42 season. This dude's 36 already. They're just they they are 
extremely desperate for something to happen in San Diego. They will do literally anything. So maybe, hopefully, it'll work out. But again, this team is 19-22 and 22 for some reason. I don't know. Meanwhile, on Wednesday, the Royals are going to send out, I don't know, so who cares? It doesn't say. So it's going to be, uh, I don't know, another bullpen game. Max Actually, it could be Daniel Lynch. It, it actually really could be Daniel Lynch. Daniel Lynch pitched on either Friday or Saturday. He had another rehab start. He went 3.1 innings and I think only gave up one run. So it was actually pretty good overall. And yeah, he's been he's been rehabbing for a little bit. And the Royals have always said that the timetable for his return would be around mid-May. So I believe he is on schedule for that. I'm not going to guarantee that, but I'm going to say that's likely. That is my, that's what I expect. So, um... That would be pretty cool. So hopefully we can get a good season debut of Daniel Lynch. I'm going to check out that game on Wednesday. That'll be fun to see. And then on Thursday, they're off. So we won't have anything to talk about then, but I will be appearing on that White Sox podcast that I mentioned, the visiting visiting dugout. Yeah, visiting dugout, part of Sox Populi, part of the Fans First Sports Network that the Royal Deluxe Podcast is also a part of. Yeah, that's how I'm ending this episode. This episode actually went on way longer than I thought. I thought this was going to be like a 30-minute episode because there wasn't really a whole lot that happened this weekend. No, like, big changes. No, like, big announcements that we need to make. No, like, weird happenings. Just a, just a couple of games. And then I ranted about Jordan Lyles for what felt like an eternity. That's, that, that's just what happens. You, that's what happens when you watch the Royals. You get stuck in the doldrums for all eternity. You walk out, and it's been a thousand years, and it's like... That that felt like two hours, though. I don't know. What am I talking about? I've lost my mind. Someone help me find it. If you find my mind, please uh, email it to me at royaldeluxepodcast at gmail.com or just at me on Twitter at the MFNKC or more specifically the podcast Twitter at royaldeluxepod. I would love to hear from you. Uh, aside from that, though, um, thank you very much for listening to the Royal Deluxe Podcast. Whatever happens... This week, we'll talk about it when we get there. I'll see you on Friday. Um, Thank you very much for making this podcast a part of your day. I hope you're having a good one. This outro was completely out of order, but that's just because I lost my mind. Please help me find it. Go Royals.